Good morning. All right, so we're going to do something very intentional here. We're going to start a stopwatch. And uh, that's because I'm kind of new to this, uh, the, the preaching thing. I, I am a teacher, so I do have some experience in, um, in, in teaching. But for the sake of everybody here, we don't need to be an hour and a half into this and realize that I still have a couple points to get through. Um, and I'm actually kind of preaching on um, uh, what, what we're doing here. Um, and because and some people would say, like, well, let the spirit lead. And a bunch of type A people would start wigging out, like, what? No. Uh, so there, there is intentionality, and we are going to call on the spirit. We're going we're gonna to call on the spirit um, for this message, and that, and that we have receptive ears, and that we are open. Um, and the spirit was absolutely present in developing this sermon. But there, there's an intentionality behind that. And uh, the scripture that Chris uh, just read is actually the objective of, of where kind of we're heading. Walking the Christian walk, discerning God's will, and living out the Christian faith, and, um, and doing this in the right ways. And uh, the text that we're actually going to look at is Romans 12, um, verses 1 and 2. So we're just going to hang out on those two verses and hopefully paint the picture of how uh, Paul gets us uh, to establishing this Christian um, this walk. And uh, the, the three things that we're going to look at is um, why commit to this walk, um, where the, the source of that is, um, what is this walk, what's it look like, what are we called to do, and then lastly, how to execute. Um, how, how do we execute this walk, what's it, um, what does it entail, what are all the little things, and, um, and we should be able to take some application from that and really live it out and walk out of this building with some practical ways um, to discern, to figure out God's will and execute it. Okay. First, let's pray. God, we thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, we thank you that we can be gathered here um, and, and just be exposed to your word and worship together. Um, God, we pray that um, through this text that you may be glorified, that we may learn uh, how to seek you more, how how to keep you at the center of our lives, how, how to discern, how to find your will, and how to just love and, um, and to just love, uh, love well, love hard, and love those around us. God, we pray that um, you quiet our thoughts from the busyness of the world and the week. Um, we just pray that you open our minds, expose, expose our sin, convict us, lead us, guide us, and we, and we ask for your wisdom. God, we thank you for your love and your word, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, a couple years ago, I was talked into becoming a physics teacher. Um, I was a little reluctant at first because uh, I was just beginning to teach, and as a new teacher, you're like, I do not want more preps. I was a chemistry teacher, and I was not ready to take on physics, I was, it's, it, you know, they're like, yeah, it's like the same thing. It's like math and science, it's, it, everybody hates it, it's really hard. And they're like, just, just do it, just try it out. It was good because I ended up falling in love with it. And by default, and I don't know if this is coincidence or what, but apparently when you become a physics teacher, you also become a really big Star Wars fan. And uh, I, yeah, something weird happened. And, and I, I started, I binge-watched through all of the, the Star Wars movies. Um, and, and yeah, kind of nerded out. 
But anyways, where I'm going with this is there's two um, characters in these movies that I, I really stuck out to me when I was preparing this sermon. Um, and if you didn't see the movies, that's okay, because we'll paint this picture. Um, but if you have, you know the characters Han Solo and Chewbacca. Okay, Han Solo is a normal guy. Uh, he's like a, not, not a stand-up figure. He's, like, he's a smuggler, and he eventually becomes a good guy and one of the protagonists. And then Chewbacca is the bear-looking man that's like nine feet tall, and he doesn't actually say a word to it. The movie just does the weird growl thing, which I'm not going to try to do. And uh, these two are, they're like inseparable. They got a pretty good relationship going on. And when you're thrown into these Star Wars movies, especially four, five, and six, you have no idea what's going on. The, the, the original movies, you're like just thrown right into the middle of this pretty epic plot. And so you see these characters, and you're like, there, there's not a whole lot of development that happens, and you start wondering, like, okay, what, you know, why are these two, like, so, what's going on? Hans is more of the, the leader of the crew, and Chewie is the, uh, that trusty sidekick that's there at, at all, all times. He's rescuing Hans, he's doing all these things, he's, like, just on board with that, whatever, whatever the mission is that Hans is doing, he's doing it. And if Hans is in trouble, Chewie's getting him out of it. And these two, you know, kind of go back and forth and, um, and saving each other and stuff. And I, uh, being the nerd that I had become, I was like, why, why is there a relationship like this? There's not, like, any kind of um, compensation, like Hans isn't, like, paying him. And, and I don't even think it would be enough to pay to, to, for some of the stuff uh, that he expects Chewbacca to do. And Chewbacca just willingly does. But you find out later that Han Solo had actually rescued Chewbacca from a state of slavery. Chewbacca was in this slavery-like situation, and in return, Chewie gave his life to serving Han Solo. He was immediately, he's like, I'm on board. Whatever you're doing, I'm doing, because that, that you, I mean, I'm on board with your morals, because you saved me. You took me out of this situation, and you, you gave me freedom. And Chewbacca just, he, he does it. He's on board. He's fully committed, and he's, and he's doing it as a response uh, to what Hans uh, had given him, and he gave him freedom. And that's uh, kind of what Paul is going to be getting at here at, at the beginning of uh, verse 1. Um, so at this point in, in the text, um, in the entire book of Romans, Paul is kind of, it's going through a, a little bit of a transition. So in the, in the very beginning of Romans chapters 1 through 11, Paul is speaking as like uh, in, in the indicative. He's, he's just laying out the facts. He's um, and, and there's a lot going on, and then he's going to switch now to the application, and he's going to switch to uh, walking as a Christian and, and what it means and, and what it looks like. Um, so we see here, looking, picking up chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So uh, we, we see this therefore, and therefore it's a big conjunction, and uh, it's usually referring to something that became before this, and this therefore is actually referring to all of 1 through 11. It's referring to um, uh, Paul uh, laying out the gospel. Paul had already talked about God's wrath, judgment, how all have sinned, but all are uh, called to Christ. All have the opportunity, Jew, Gentile, all have um, the opportunity to take Christ. All have been saved. Um, he outlined faith and what faith looked like and living with faith. Um, he outlined why Christ had died and that we are, uh, um, as being saved by Christ, you're no longer slave to sin. 
You're actually given the Holy Spirit. You experience God's love. So he actually laid out all of these things that had already happened, and now he's switching to how we should respond. And I'm saying that we are called to have a Chewbacca-like response. We were purchased. We were saved. And in response, we need, uh, we, we need to respond to the cross. And, and he says that, by the mercies of God. So he, he's making it very clear that we, we are responding to something. We are responding um, to what God and, and how much God loves us. Um, we also know that he's speaking specifically to Christians when he says, uh, brethren, so brothers and sisters of Christ. He's saying, listen, uh, Christ died for you. We need to respond, and we need to respond in a certain way. And he's making that switch now. Um, and we're doing this because of God's compassion. So the why or the source is because of what Christ did for us. We're not trying to wrestle and, and do these things before Christ, but we are responding to Christ's love, to God's love, his compassions, and, and saying uh, this, we, we need to have a response to the cross and we need to have a response to God's love. Like a practical thing, we need to respond to it. You have to respond to it. And as Christians, here's what I'm saying you do. We continue in, in verse one here. Uh, Paul says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. A living sacrifice is it's a it's not a dead, it's not uh, inactive. It is a very active, tangible, practical. Things are happening in your life. It's not just having faith and and not and not executing or not doing things. Um, uh, there there has to be an actual tangible response. And we, we do, uh, I think I put this one up there on James 2. Um, James chapter 2, uh, verses 14 through 17. So what does it profit, my brethren, if someone uh, says he has faith but does not have uh, works? Can faith alone save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, and you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also by faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So we are called to actually act on this faith. Um, and, and in those ways, we are presenting our bodies, we are giving our lives to God as a living, active sacrifice. Uh, we are, we're dying to ourselves. A sacrifice is actually, you're giving something up. You're giving up your, your, your sinful ways. You're giving up these things. Um, God actually, or Paul actually says previously in Romans that you are no longer a slave to sin. You are a slave to righteousness. You are a slave to God. You are, you are living these things out um, that are holy. They're acceptable, and they're actually God-approved. God puts his, uh, uh, the seal of approval on this, like this, this is, this is good. I, I, I want you to serve in these ways. I, this is how you can respond to the cross. This is how you can respond to your love. And it's important because it gives us a gauge of where our faith is. If we're not willing to actually uh, act on this faith, it, it, it can give us a glimpse of, of where I need to grow. Um, Paul actually goes into um, and, and continues here. He says, which is your reasonable service. He's basically saying, like, listen, this is, like, really the only reasonable, like, this is the only sensible way that you can respond to the cross. Like, Christ died. He died because you were in a, in a sinful state, and he loved you so much that he was willing to go to the cross and suffer the wrath that he didn't deserve 
so that you can be at peace, so that you can have eternity in heaven. And if uh, we're not willing to, to recognize the state that we were in, that sinful, perilous, that, that, that very, very dangerous state that we were in, um, then we're really not able to recognize what had happened on the cross and, and how badly we need it and how reasonable this response is. This, this, should not be a, uh, this should not be something difficult to do. It should not be difficult to give your life to God. This should be something that is just like common sense, like the, the Lord gave you freedom. It gave you eternity at peace with him. The least that we should want to do is to serve him and to do all, and, and just fully commit to doing whatever that is. We need to have a, a, a chewy-like response to God's love. We, we really have to be like, well, like I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. What's, what are we doing? What's next? And, uh, and, and that's very important. So it's very important to, to walking the Christian walk to understand where it's come from and why we're doing it. We don't want to go into and approach walking like a Christian and doing these things for righteous pride so that I feel better about how I'm doing, so that I look like a Christian. That's not, that's not the motive we want. The motive we want comes from Christ, and it comes from the cross. It comes from how much he loved us. So we want to make sure that before we proceed with you know, what, what this walk starts to look like, we, we need to understand the why, which is it, it's God's love for us. It's God pouring out his love for us, and we are doing that in response to him. We're not we're not doing these things for selfish gain. We're not doing these things that we look at. We're not doing these things that we look like a Christian. We're doing these things with the right heart motive. So God, I am I'm fully on board. I, I believe what what can I do? Like what you you have my heart. What's next? And uh, and then with that right attitude. With, with that right perspective, we're, we're able to move forward into and what this looks like. But it can be very dangerous if we go into this with that wrong motivation and we are not really, we're not fully committed or, or we're doing these things with the wrong, uh, the wrong agenda, the wrong mindset. So it's very important that then that's why Paul lays this out. I, he's, he says, I beseech you. It's, uh, the, the Greek there is, is actually exhort. It's, it means I at the highest degree, urge you, cons- like, consider doing this. Because Christ died for you, respond and, and give your life to him. So, assuming that we are, on, that, that we are good with that, like we, we, we have the right heart, we, we are right, we, we understand that I, am, I want to serve the Lord, I want to do these things because he loved me, he died for me, I'm on board with that. We can move on to verse 2. And in, in verse 2, Paul's going to say, uh, very practical, uh, don't do this, do this. And then you'll start to see how, how God wants you to live your life. So don't do this, do this. And, and that's, how, um, that's how you will arrive at discerning and figuring out how God wants you to walk practically. Um, so in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we see at the end of this, we are going to be able to prove what, what the good and acceptable, what, what that will of God is, how I'm supposed to walk, how I'm supposed to carry out my life. That, that's where we're headed. And, uh, and, he, and he gives us the do nots and the do's. So the do not. Do not conform to this age. So that's a, a, 
or sorry, do not conform to this world, but the Greek is actually um, eon, which is this, this age. So do not conform to this dying world. Um, these, things, these things are going to pass. Um, and, and so we, we need to separate from that. We need to recognize that worldly things are bad. We need to set our treasures in heaven. We need to have a heavenly mindset. Um, and the Apostle John actually references this in, um, and, and speaks on this again in chapter 2. I think I have this one up there too. Uh, John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world's passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So we see this very clear distinction that things of the world are going to be sinful, and they are going to lead to destruction. They're going to lead to more sin, they are going, and they're going to lead to an eternity separated from God. So God, the, the first thing we are called, Paul saying, like, let's just, just cut off the world. Um, and do not seek these worldly things. Not, there's, there's not going to be good that comes from the world. And, and it's sneaky. Like, the way that the world can creep in is very, very, very um, mischievous and, and sneaky. Um, I actually listened to another sermon um, the other day. Not a great idea. Like, I, I had this sermon done, and I listened to another sermon on the same thing. Not a great idea. Because you immediately like, <laughs> but still, I, 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 I'm actually going to steal an example um, that Vody Bauckham had used in a sermon preaching on this. And uh, he said there was, um, there's this Christian, and this is a totally made up story. So this is a, there's, there's a Christian couple that are, um, they, they, they're going to church and there, there's a speaker there that is sharing a, a, a missionary moment or a, a presentation on, on. Um, becoming a mission and going overseas and, and, and serving the Lord in that way. And obviously, when, when we listen to those things as Christians, wow, that, that's incredible. It's, it's amazing to see God at work, especially in these extravagant ways, in these dark places. It's awesome to see the gospel being spread in places that, in, in reaching places that it's, it's not currently there and, and just see this evangelism at work. But uh, we, we need to be careful because this Christian couple that is sitting under this uh, this presentation, you know, they, they leave, and then the the the, lady, the the woman in this relationship is kind of, you know, we get a glimpse into her mind, and she's she's kind of wrestling with like, oh, okay, you know, maybe I should consider doing that. Um, and then throughout the week, she gets she gets an email, one of those junk spam emails that is something like, cheap plane flights to wherever one of these locations were, wherever this mission is taking place. Um, so like we get a we get a cheap transport from wherever we're at to here. Like I, I can get there and I can go serve and go on this mission, and um, not even related to that to that mission at all. This is just like straight from the airline kind of email. And then uh, later on in the week, she's like driving home and she sees uh, a billboard uh, saying how how you should serve or how you should be boldly serving or you should um, or some kind of Bible verse up on this billboard, and then. Uh, Lastly, she's, she's having a conversation with her husband, and, and um, he's like, hey, so-and-so is, like, going on this mission thing, um, and, you know, that's, that's kind of crazy. Like, he's getting relocated, and, and everything's just up and going. And, um, I'm sorry, not a mission. He's just up, he's getting relocated for work. He's just being called somewhere else for work, not particularly a mission. But then, uh, so the woman thinks and, and has a conversation with her husband, like, hey, should we consider doing this, like, 
you know, I've been exposed to all of these things that have been going on in my life. You know, should, should we go on this mission? And Buddy Box is like super critical and very bold and comes straight out and says, that is paganism. That is being straight up influenced by the world and what's going on around you and just, just walking through these things and, and, not, and, and just letting the worldly pressures influence what's going on. Yes, God does open doors. Yes, the Holy Spirit can convict and, and can move you in certain ways. But if you notice in this story, there was not one, one second given to spending time in the word, spending time in prayer, or anything biblical. There was not even a reference to this, this woman like looking up the Great Commission in, in Matthew and, and seeing like, hey, this is, this is what we're called to do. Why should we go serve? You know, what does that look like? There was, there was not any of that. This was just like being influenced by worldly pressure. So it, it's sneaky. Worldly counsel can sneak in there and seem very good. Uh, while we, when we lived in Colorado, when we first moved to Colorado, we had to do some church hunting. And that took six months, and that was a grueling process. Um, and a lot of, of sin can actually enter into Christ, Christian lives just through the church and Sunday mornings. There's, there's a lot of, of bad things. Just because some, we're getting together and we're meeting on Sunday mornings, a lot of um, Americans especially are, are thinking, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. And... Uh, I say this because one of the churches that we went, we went and tried out. Um, we we get there, we walk in the door. This is our first time going to it, and we're both handed like a bag of popcorn, like movie style, like handed popcorn. And um, by the way, I'm not saying we should do this. I'm saying we, should, yeah, this is not this. Is, we we do not do this. Um, but we're handed popcorn. So I'm like, oh, is this community? Like is this community? Well, what are we doing here? Is this, well, it's like a full. This is a big thing for communion. Um, yeah, so we go in there, and uh, we are sitting, um, and, and we kind of sit by ourselves, just hanging out, and this was actually at a, it was at a college, so it was like kind of like an auditorium-looking thing, and we're sitting there, and we start, um, you know, worship's okay, yep, that's good, it's, it's great, it's, it's a little bit bigger, so it's a little bit more theatrical, a little bit more, like, flashy. Um, yeah, and so then we get to the sermon, and I... I realize this now. I'm not saying this because I think my sermon is like great and like this, this is going perfect. But that, what we experienced, sent us away from that church and that we never looked back. So what we experienced, we we were given this popcorn because the sermon was actually like half movie, half preaching. It was very surface level. There was there was no there was no digging in opening up God's word there was there was none of that we actually watched like I I left that day because the, the movie we watched was like Toy Story four I'd never seen it I left that day just wanting to watch the movie I was I was not I was not fed biblically there was not I mean the things they were saying like yeah it was scripture it wasn't it wasn't that far off but the, but you look around in that church and there's so many people being exposed to that and thinking that everything's okay. That's the world creeping in and just wreaking havoc. That's Satan wreaking havoc within um, what is supposed to be the church, what is supposed to be loving and, and giving ourselves to God. Um, so I also, um, you know, when, when we're trying to figure these things out, uh, it's, 
and instead we're supposed to, to seek this heavenly counsel. And I don't want, I don't want it to sound like, yeah, we, we can't be influenced by things on earth, but we're supposed to seek that the heavenly counsel, which is where Paul's going to go here in a few moments. But when, when we're seeking heavenly counsel here on earth, we need to be looking for things that are biblical, things that align with the Bible. People, I need to be seeking counsel from people that spend time in the word, people that are living their lives out. Those, that's where I need. And that's what we were looking for in a church. We were looking for the things like, okay, where, where is scripture being taught and a, a very, with, with meaning, with depth, with conviction? Um, not just the lovey-dovey message, but very, very convicting. And, and where can we be fed? And where is it being executed? Where's, uh, where are people like actually loving? Like when you walk in there, you're just like, you just feel the love. Um, and we did end up at a, a pretty awesome church, and, and we, were, we were definitely, we ended up where God wanted us. Um, but God instead, he says, we, we want to be conformed to heaven. And that's where, uh, back in verse 2, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So be absolutely transformed, be totally consumed, be saturated. Um, I shared uh, a couple months ago at this point, um, I shared my testimony and, and how when I became a Christian, I was aware I, I was a Christian because things changed. Like, maybe not on the outside, like, I, I'm sure I was, like, I was still, sanctification was and still is going on, but it, there, there was this inward thing. My perspective changed. And, um, and one of the ways, like, when, when I was, when I fully understood and, and gave myself to God and, and, and had this conversation. I was like, okay, what's next? Um, I, I took on this new perspective. And, and when I did that, because uh, I remember, like, before I was a Christian, I would, like, pick up the Bible, and I would, like, look at it and be like, okay, I can kind of understand that. And then, you know, not being a great Christian, I'd end up in Leviticus, Leviticus and be like, what in the world? And, but when, when I became a Christian and, and when I was totally sat and, and, and just like took all of this in and, and truly gave myself 100% fully committed. I, I, I could read the Bible. I, could, I, I was like, this is beautiful. I realized the Bible was a bunch of love, love letters from the creator of the universe written for you and I. And it had meaning and it had purpose. And these things, these things spoke to me. Like I, um, you're not going to find immediate answers to all of your questions and all of the things that you experience. That's, uh, that's an, it's impossible to put every single calculated thing into, into text. But this text will speak to you, and it will change your mind if you are totally consumed and saturated. And you're supposed to, and, and he's saying, let, let yourself be transformed. Let you take on this, when, when you're given over to Christ and, and you are born again, be absolutely filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul says uh, previously in chapter 8, um, he says, uh, we, we have the Holy Spirit, and it, it, it intercedes with us. When we pray, when we go to prayer, the Holy Spirit actually intercedes with us with groanings too deep for word. The Holy Spirit is communicating things to God that we aren't even aware of. And that is just being, you know, we're, we, are fully, we are fully committed to that. And it's important to understand, um, you know, what this, this Holy Spirit thing is to, like, it's not looking for signs and waiting for like divine intervention to, to just magically happen for something, but it's, it's being intentional. It's spending time in the word and in prayer. It's having conversations with God. It's, it's digging into this thing. Um, it's surrounding yourself 
with biblically God-fearing, God-loving people. Uh, I, I experienced this as I wrote this sermon. Uh, there was times when I sat down at the kitchen table and started to write this thing. This is like the tenth sermon I wrote because I I would because I had like a month to prepare and I I would I would just dive into this because you know I when I do things I like just send like all in and so like I I dug in I was like I was preaching on creation I was preaching out of Acts I was pre- I was even considering Revelation at one point but. Uh, anytime I went into those things, I, I, I would hit a roadblock, and I, I noticed that I was preaching. Uh, I was preaching what I wanted to preach, and there was there came a point where I, I really sat down and I had to pray about this. And it, honestly, I got pretty desperate because I'm like, when when you are given uh, one Sunday to preach and, and and you have an entire Bible, like trying to narrow down, okay. I finally had to say, God, what do I preach? What do you want me to do? So I, I spent some time in the Word. I spent time, and I, I learned, and I, I tried to figure out, what God, what are you teaching? What, what, does, what does this body need to hear? What, what, are, what are the things that we need to be taught? What are the things that we need to experience? Where can we be convicted? Where can we grow? Um, and this, this, was, this is where we arrived. So it's, it's a very intentional thing. It's just not willy-nilly just letting things happen going on around you. It's not just like, oh, yep, I, uh, I believe in Jesus. Like, that's awesome, but I'm going to keep on hanging out and say I'm just going to keep doing my thing. I'm, I don't need to grow. My sins are paid for. That's not it. It's, it's truly 100% being absolutely consumed. And then, and then you start to understand God's will, his purpose, and, and how things um, and how things are working out. And I think that this is pretty darn important because um, we've actually had an uh, evangelism class going on um, in Sunday schools in the mornings. And um, one of the things you see that you never know when you're going to be called to live out God's will, when you're going to be presented. Like, you might not have time to prepare. You might not have like weeks to prepare um, for somebody coming up to you and like you have a moment to evangelize. So that is why we, we need to be prepared for for both the, the thought out, the, the Bible studies, the, the working on our own sinful ways, working on um, living these things out better. But then we also need to be prepared for that, that moment where God's like, it's time for you to share the gospel. And we do that by being totally consumed, by being transformed, by spending time in the word, by being very intentional, by not just being okay with hanging out in our sin and just being like, yeah, this is like, yeah, you know, this is the only bad thing that I do. And, you know, it's, it's really not that bad. But we are called to give our lives to God in complete service because of how he loved us. All right, so hopefully we, we've progressed through this thing enough that we understand, okay, I, I'm, I'm responding to God's love because of, of how much he loved me. And I, I want to have that Chewbacca-like response where I'm just like, I'm all in. This, this is it. I, I want to serve you. I, 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 need to, I want to do these things because of how much you love me. I know that I need to be totally immersed in this. I need to be 100% on board. There's not a halfway. There's no lukewarmness. There's no room for uh, still holding on to that one sin or that one thing that you don't think is too bad. It's, it's fully, fully committed. So now we can...
hopefully work on to applying this to our lives and, and, and really get some tangible, tactile things as to what God's will looks like worked out on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. So how do I, how do I execute such a high standard, such a tall class? So we, we saw the, that text read earlier. How do I execute these things as a sinful being living in a sinful world interacting with other sinners? How, how are we actually, how do, how do we do that? And I, I think we can sum up uh, getting after and doing God's will in one word. And that word is love. Jesus even gives us the two, uh, the two greatest commandments. He says, love God and love your neighbor. So love God with all your heart, love all the sinners around you, and love them hard. And I'm not talking about like this, this fruity, like, love just like the stuff you see on reality tv and like you know trying to figure out what love is i'm talking about the tough love the real love that real thing that's going on and the reason why love works is because you can't fake it there's no fine printing it and there's no loophole to love so when we get things like these commands of like do this don't do that do that those are great because they give us like a, uh, they, they, they keep us calibrated and they keep us a measure. But, you know, we, we can easily fall into this works-driven thing where we're just like, okay, I'm going to do this, but you know, God didn't say anything about that. It's technically unloving, but like I can still do it. Love doesn't have that. Love is this conscious thing. It's inward and it's outward. And when, when you love God, when you're like, I, I, God, I love you. You want to know more. You want to dig into this word. You want to have conversations with God. You really, really desire to get after these things. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect at reading the Bible because believe me, I have my devotions in the morning so there's sometimes 5 a.m. rolls around and I'll hit that snooze button until 6 and I've got to be at the shop at like 6.15 and it takes 20 minutes to get there. So there, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm perfect. There, there, there's not a will, but there needs to be an intentionality about it. There needs to be a fire that, oh man, I, lo- I love you. I want to know more. And when I do have my devotions in the morning, I do, there is, it's a night and day difference in how I live out God's will throughout the day. I feel so gospel-centered. I feel so much more loving. I'm able to tolerate a heck of a lot more. And I, and that's just from, when I go into it, I love God and I wake up and and that's usually what gets me. It's like, love, love God. I love you. I want to know more. I, I, I want to be consumed. Um, and then we're also called uh, to love those around us. And this is where it can get even more practical because we are sinners interacting with sinners in a sinful world, in a broken world. So um, the, the ways that we can do this is, again, coming at it with that, that tough love. And, and it, is, it, it is tough. It's not just being accepting of, of all of things that are wrong and, and just like letting things slide and there is a conviction to it. But when it's, when it's true, when it's genuine love, when it's this love that's talked about here um, in verse, uh, chapter 12, verse nine, let love be without hypocrisy. Uh, in uh, another translation that, that's let love be genuine. Let it be genuine. When it's true, genuine love, it, it's almost bulletproof because you can't get away with certain sin and be loving. It, it comes off as like, man, that was, that was unloving. And the beautiful thing about love is it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, I, 
shocker, but I do love my wife. I, I love her so much. And hopefully that's not a surprise, but I, um, <laughs> marriage is a very messy, very beautiful mess. And this, this love that I, uh, that I have is, it's not perfect in the way that there are times when I'm not loving and I'm not, and I am unloving towards her. But through love, we are able to, to fix that. We are really, we keep Christ at the center of our relationship. I'm able to go to her and I'm, I'm able to have a very um, loving conversation and I'm able to say, Grace, I'm, I'm very, I, I, I apologize for this. I apologize for this particular thing. Will you forgive me? And that's when you come at it with that love, this, this, this cycle of, of just being able to fix things. When love is true and genuine, we're able to correct the things that we have done wrong. We're able to reapproach relationships and, and mend those things. And uh, the reason why this, this love thing is so awesome is because, um, you know, God himself is love. God is love. Not only is he love, he defined love, and he executed love on the cross. It, and, and when we take on this love and we, we truly um, love those around us, we are really, really doing these things. The, the stuff in verses, um, in chapter 13 uh, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, all of these things that don't, don't do these, they do all get summed up in that love your neighbor as yourself. Just love them. Don't focus on so much of not doing these things, but truly, genuinely love and love hard. There's no lukewarmness about this. There's no halfway with this thing. Truly love them. This, the, the, this sanctification roller coaster, it's, it's a process and, and it's never ending. So truly, truly be fully loving those around you. And that's, that's how we can execute God's will. That's how we can really, uh, in, in my, my opinion, that's the, the bulletproof way to execute what God's doing. So love God, love him hard, cling to the Bible, learn from the Bible, seek counsel from the Bible, spend time in prayer, do these things, and then also act it out, execute it. Execute it with those around you. Love those around you. Love those people that are hard to love. So this is uh, actually, um, we can apply this to, to all seasons of where we're at in our Christian walk. You know, to those who are um, still wrestling with that, uh, that, that Christianity thing and you know, really committing to this, this, this life. Um, we, we need to ask, or we need to recognize where we're at. We need to ask ourselves, do we, like, can you, can you really imagine Chewie being like, nah, I'd rather return to this slave situation because that's way better and I'm not gonna follow you. Do you really want to return to that sinful brokenness? Do you really, are we really, really okay with that? There's no convincing that's gonna happen. We really need to just wrestle with this, wrestle with our relationship with Christ. Um, and, and then those of us that are in this battlefield that are, We've accepted Christ, and, and we're, we're in the thick of it, and, and we're, we're dealing with these things on a daily, minute-by-minute minute basis where we're totally exposed to the pressures of the world. Be encouraged. Be absolutely saturated with God's word. Spend time in it. Love God and love those around you hard.
and, and then finally to our, our seasoned saints, those that have, have a life marked by love, a life of pouring into those around us, a life of just absolutely giving themselves to Christ. Be encouraging. Uh, never, never uh, become lukewarm. Never just become idle in this process. Just continue, uh, continue to give yourself to the Lord fully. So, um, in closing, I, I want to read uh, the very last part of this, um, chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, what Chris read earlier. And do know this, knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in the revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So I encourage you, I encourage you all, put on Christ, put on love, and just love God with all your heart and love all of the sinners around you and God's will will absolutely be revealed. Let's pray. God, we thank you um, again for this Sunday morning. We thank you for your perfect word. We know that your word is uh, it's perfect and, and all of scripture can be used for teaching and rebuking and, and just aligning our will with yours. God, we just pray that... Um, as we take on this week, as we go out into this world, as we're exposed to these worldly things, as we're exposed to this, this darkness and, and we, have to, we have to fight sin, we pray that we are encouraged and we, we pray that, uh, that we cling to you. God, help us to keep the cross and, and your love at the center of our relationship. Help us to be motivated by your love. Help us to respond to love with love. God, we thank you, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.